Hello, and welcome to Soothing Pod Sleep Stories. My name is Chris, and tonight I will be your guide as we embark on a mythical journey through time that will take us to live and breathe with the Amazons, a group of warrior women whose strength, intelligence, and power rivaled even that the Greek gods. Before we begin, however, let us take a moment to relax and find peace and comfort in the place that we're in, here and now. Close your eyes and allow your body to sink into whatever comfortable surface you were laying on. Here and now, there are no obligations. There are no responsibilities. There is no to-do list. Now is your time to just be. With no guilt and no rumination by simply listening to the sound of my voice and embracing this journey with me, you are already giving your body the nourishing gift of rest. Anything else you are seeking will come in time, but for now, just allow your body to relax and listen to my words. For a moment, imagine you are laying in the soft, evergreen moss of a forest floor. Above you, there is a tall oak tree. Its branches and leaves reach for the baby blue sky, shrouding you from the light of the cool evening sun. The golden glow of it flickers through gaps in the leaves, glistening on the ground around you. As you breathe in, feeling a nourishing breath fill your lungs, you notice something remarkable about the lofty oak before you. When you breathe in, the tree slowly grows, ascending higher and higher into the brilliant sunset-streaked sky. The leaves double in size until they are about the size of dinner plates. They flicker freely in the breeze, full of life and energy. As you exhale, a sense of relaxation replaces the breath leaving your lungs and sailing into the cool forest air. The mighty oak shrinks smaller and smaller until the tiny leaves are gingerly brushing against your cheeks and forehead in the gentle breeze. They blanket you with a layer of comfort, and the fresh, silky aroma of fresh leaves in a dense forest. Once more, you inhale 
watching in awe as the tree grows taller and taller, sprouting out of the soil until it is a glorious pillar high above your head, the breath filling your body and soul is as nourishing as the soil below you, giving the tree life. And again, you exhale, with the relaxation sinking down and enveloping your body. The tree shrinks, relaxing and letting go of the rigidness of its tallest form. Savor the feeling of this utter relaxation. Quite some time, you breathe in and breathe out. 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 Through all of this, you watch leaf after leaf Send from the tallest branches of the tree, drifting peacefully down, down, down through the air, until they settle into the soft soil and plush moss around you. With each leaf that falls, a different part of your body comes to a place of relaxation. A leaf slowly falls, breezing by your jawline and cheek, just barely brushing against them. When it does, your tongue falls away from the roof of your mouth. Your jaw unclenches, and your face relaxes to a natural, comfortable position. Another leaf drifts down, landing gently on your chest. As it does, any tension, any weight you are carrying there completely disappears. Soon, your arms and legs follow suit, releasing any tension until they are at ease. Now that we have taken the time to relax and find peace and comfort in the place we are here and now, let us begin our journey. Contrary to the name, the Amazons were not a group of women that lived in the Amazon. Rather, the true roots of the Amazons takes us back, back, back in time. The days of ancient Greece, the times of Hercules, of Dionysus, of Artemis and Theseus. Far beyond the lofty, raggy white peaks of the Caucasus Mountains, Boarding on the edge of Europe and Asia, there was once a village that was the cause of legends and rumors that spread around the globe. 
The village was pressed at the very edge of the mountains. Nestled in the foothills, grassy plains and meadows that stretched as far as the eye could see. The village was simple, with hut-like homes heated by chopped wood from the nearby forest, flourishing gardens and stables that were lined with intricate saddles and bridles. There was something unusual about this village, however. This was a village made entirely of women. Strong, powerful women that carried massive swords on their hips, as if they were as light as a bag of feathers. At all times, they had golden shields strapped to their bags, with sleek leather straps. Shields with intricate, hand-painted design that were crafted at the edge of their very own forges. Their clothes were woven from cloth they made by hand in the light of candles and the bright sun that seemed to almost always be shining down on the village. They all wore dresses of tan and white. Dresses they could easily tie up as pants when they needed to ride their horses or enter battle. Each and every one of them had a gold helmet for their heads and intricate braids that trailed down their backs. Braids that were washed in the river after working in the fields or traveling to distant lands. They were all strong, breathtakingly beautiful and cunning. While women in men's societies were shunned to work only in the home and only speak when spoken to, the women of the Amazon had a life that was wildly different. And a big part of that lay in the hands of their queen, Hippolyte. Hippolyte was said to be the daughter of Ares, god of war. And indeed, everyone who laid eyes upon her or saw her in battle fully believed that to be true. Hippolyte stood a foot taller than any of the other Amazon women, and much, much taller than most men. Her features dripped with strength, confidence, and wisdom. Often, the sharp lines of her jaw were even more pronounced by the smile that graced her lips. She wore a war belt strapped around her waist and chest that was given to her by her father. It provided her 
with increased strength. Strength that she found necessary with her role. Though she was the daughter of the god of war, and leader of the strongest group of women the world had ever seen, she was a woman who deeply, deeply loved life. Her role leading the Amazons was one that saw the demise of several towns, villages, and states. And yet, it helped build others up around the globe. But, most of all, Hippolyte cared for her people and had fierce, undeniable loyalty for them. She looked at all the women of the tribe as her daughters, her sisters, and she acted as if they truly were. Every morning, she awakened well before the rest of the village. When the moon was still high in the sky, painting the plains in swathes of silvery light, she would stretch in the plush sheets of her bed and look out the window at her village below. Her hut, which wasn't entirely different from the other members of the tribes, sat at the top of a hill giving her a clear view of her people and the plains, which was the only place anyone would be able to attack from. On one particular morning, Boliti slowly placed her feet on the cold floor of her bedroom. She could feel the chill of outside, that damp, mountain chill crackling across the floorboards. The air was brisk and bright, invigorating her lungs and her soul with every step that she took. She wrapped a wool shawl over her shoulders and tiptoed over to the window, tossing it open with a gentle creak. The wind swept into the room, ruffling her plush sheets and tussling her hair, blowing it back with the steady, constant gust. She closed her eyes and breathed in deeply. In the breeze, she could feel the magic could smell the magic of the place they called home. She could smell the citrusy zing of pine trees that coated the mountain just behind her. She could smell the sweet grass that stretched as far as the eye could see, felting the landscape with a mosaic of gold, green, and brown. In the glow of the moon, Hippolyte could see the plane swaying from side to side, 
side to side, dancing with the rhythm of the wind. If she closed her eyes and listened closely, she could hear the rustling as they brushed against one another in perfect, beautiful unison. Below, she could see the homes of the people she loved, of the people she wanted to protect more than anything in the world. Not a single candle flickered, not a single person stirred. They were hard-working people, and Hippolyte was grateful to see them getting some rest. Overhead, the sky was still a sea of cerulean, peppered with silver stars that seemed to glisten and beckon to Hippolyte. Though she hadn't seen her father in quite some time, she always felt the closest to him at times like this, and closest to her mother, Otrira, was the first queen of the Amazons. She had founded the warrior group and brought them to the beautiful place they call home. Wanting to honor both of them, Hippolyte drew herself to her knees on that peaceful, calm, early morning. She clasped her warm hands in front of her chest and whispered a prayer to her father, to her mother, begging them both to continue protecting her people as she herself had protected them. She always felt a flicker of connection when she did this, almost like a kiss on the forehead from her parents, reminding her that they were, indeed, looking out for her. Feeling satisfied, Hippolyte rose to her feet to grace the day and get on with the plans ahead. After all, her people were busy, and they had a community to continue building. Slowly, Hippolyte made her way down to a hearth in the center of town. She savored each step on the way there. Though she had been here all of her life, she never tired of the beauty of their homeland. She loved the aroma of the soil, the way it danced and tangled with the air with every step she took. She loved the way the mountains changed the way they looked throughout the day. Every sunset, sunrise, and cloud painting them in an entirely new light, height, and shape. She often reminded her warriors, her daughters and sisters, to be like 
the mountain, always standing strong and steady. And though the perception of them may change with the times, with the enemies, with the public, they knew that they were grounded in what they were, in who they truly were. By this time of the early morning, the hearth was hardly crackling. Embers clung to the last few logs that were crumbling to ashes more and more by the minute. Hippolyte took the smooth, dried wood they had gathered months prior and tossed it into the hearth feeding it. In no time, the flames had grown until they were licking the top edge of the fireplace. A large iron pot dangled over the flames, ready for breakfast. By then, several other women had awakened, eager to start the day and greet their queen. They each bid her good morning, smiling and offering general conversation with her. Everyone in the village was friendly with one another, connected to one another. Their bonds ran deeper than sisterhood. After fighting so many battles together. After traversing the world together. Their bond was truly unbreakable. Hippolyte joined several of the girls to tend their flock of chickens. They gathered their eggs in handmade baskets that had been passed down from mother to daughter for years. They chatted as they gathered the fresh eggs from hay in the light of the glorious morning sun. Meanwhile, several of the women flocked to the gardens. There, they roamed through the loam and soil eagerly checking to see which crops would be ready for the soup today. They worked in harmony with one another, plucking vegetables from the soft soil and handing them off to one another. Others worked on repairing the irrigation systems after recent rains. It was a task they did with pride and smiles on their faces. It was an honor, knowing they were helping the people of their village, the people they loved so wholly and dearly. After they gathered all of their ingredients, the women gathered by the hearth. Hippolyte mixed ingredients into the pot above the stove, and soon they were blessed with a hearty, healthy soup 
they gathered around the table together and ate as one large, peaceful family. They spoke of their plans for the day. They sang. They played games as they dined on the fine, fresh food that they had made. And truly, that's when their days began. After breakfast, everyone went their separate ways, heading to wherever they were needed most. Some women remained by the hearth, cleaning and preparing ingredients for dinner later in the day. Others headed to their own meal to shear sheep, mend cloth, and create clothing for the village before winter descended upon them, blanketed them in white. Some sat in large blankets on the grass and read to one another, studying from the greatest minds in the world. They knew they had to be sharp as well as strong, to survive in the world as it was, and studying and reading was an important part of their schedule. Women would often close their eyes and lay back in the grass as they took turns reading. The sound of the grass swaying just beyond their heads, of the flowers brushing against one another, brought them a sense of peace and groundedness that anchored them to the knowledge they were being introduced to. In every area of the village, people were eager to do things that furthered their community and strengthened it. And often that meant physical strength. Feeling motivated after the healing filling breakfast, Hippolyte led a group of younger, teenage women to the fields. It was a day of training, a day where they would learn fighting skills, athletics, and how to expertly ride their steed. First, Hippolyte led them in a fighting lesson. Though they were a fearsome and powerful group, there was something magical about the motions of their movements. They were taught to move with unpredictability, with grace and speed that would catch their opponents off guard. With their sword in one hand and their golden shield in the other, their fighting was almost like dancing. The intricacies of their steps had a rhythm to them, a mythical quality that only stoked the fire of rumors that was raging about the group. Hippolyte stood on the sidelines and watched as the women in her group worked through several sparring sessions. From the outside, it was often a blur of gold against a sea of blue, brown, yellow, 
and green. The shields and swords moved through the air with such speed, it was hard for the untrained eye to make out exactly what they were seeing. But the Hippolyte, she could feel the movements. It truly was something in her blood. She knew when one of the women was leaning just a hair too much to the side, when the drawing of their sword could be a second faster, when their shield could catch a sword at a better angle. The sound of the sparring was like music to her, the shing, click, shing, click of the sword and shield was a rhythmic, soothing sound to her. It was an assurance that her women would be safe, that their power united them. They were unnaturally fast, gliding across the soil as if they weren't even touching the ground. For such ferocity, there was such gentleness and agility to each and every move they made. Sometimes, Hippolyte couldn't help but sit back in the grass and watch them as if she was watching a play, or as if she was watching rain pitter-patter on a leafy canopy overhead. It was truly a miraculous sight. After quite some time, Hippolyte stepped in with the women, eager to teach them some new movements. They all followed her in perfect unison as she gracefully moved across the field, slicing her sword from side to side in the brisk morning air. Dewdrops from the grass rolled off onto her legs and feet, cooling her even as the sun grew brighter and brighter overhead. They went through the motions until mid-morning. Hippolyte felt her heart, her soul swelling with pride for the women of her tribe. Their strength and fierceness was unmatched, and though many of them regarded her as the strongest of all, she knew that their strength truly relied on their unity and trust in one another. Seeing that everyone was ready for a change of pace, Hippolyte encouraged the women to gather their horses from the field prepare to ride. After all, they had to ensure their horses were up to par if anyone were to descend upon them. Everyone lit up at the suggestion. Eager, they scattered into the fenced meadow to the side of the village, beckoning to their horses. Each steed came without a fuss, knowing in their hearts what lay ahead for them. Much like the women of the village, 
The horses had served this role for quite some time. They were made for this. Hippolyte approached the side of the field and extended her hand with a smile on her face. Horses all charged by her, their hooves stamping into the mud and dirt and echoing with the rhythmic motion of all of them moving at once. But each of them ignored Hippolyte, offering to go to their true owners instead. That is, until her horse, an all-white mare, met her eye. The mare raced for her with pounding, steady hooves, Though it was moving faster than any of the other horses, it looked as if it took little effort. Its muscles and body pulsed in a state of harmony, sailing over the grass like it was taking a stroll in the park. Hippolyte opted not to put her tack on her horse. On days like today, she felt utterly connected to her animal, and trusted it deeply. She led it outside of the fence, and mounted it with ease, grabbing hold of its silver mane with her hands. Behind her, everyone else did the same. Several of the women spoke to their horses, whispering words of affirmation and kindness to them. They were not horses to them. They were part of the family, part of their identity. They were treated almost as well as the warriors themselves. And that made sense, because to the women, they were warriors of equal importance. Hippolyte cast a smile over her shoulder waiting for the other women to give their nods of approval. And as soon as they did, they were off. Riding on their horses was like flying through the world. All that laid before them was open, beautiful prairie as far as the eye could see. Behind them, the mountains and village stood tall, reminding them they always had a place to return. The thunderous, continuous roar of the horse hooves felt as though they were the beats of their very own hearts. With no mission in mind, except their desire for the feeling of freedom and connection to their spirit, the horses ran as fast as they could, the air of the plains whipped over the women, invigorating them with the scent of wildflowers, of soil, of the distant sea and mountains on the other side of it. They pushed harder, urging the horses on through the prairie. They were truly untethered, gliding through the world on the backs of their horses like they were in a dream. They could feel the strength of their horses beneath them, 
rhythm of their bodies as they drove their hooves into the soft earth and pressed onward with no end in sight. Hippolyte closed her eyes, sinking into the soundscape for a brief second. This was the true sound of her people, dedication, drive, and spirit. But then she felt her horse hesitate. It was a mere split second, but it was enough for Hippolyte to know that something was wrong. When she opened her eyes, she wasn't particularly surprised to see a group of men standing before them, waiting on the horizon. It was not the first nor the last time they would be visited by groups of other warriors. Although, the question was, what were they here for? Hippolyte remained on her horse, as she and her group stopped before the men. The leader of the group was none other than Hercules, a hero desperate to complete several labors in order to regain his freedom and get forgiveness. Hercules told Hippolyte of his labor. He was to retrieve her belt for the king of Mycenae, the belt that gave her her super strength and the belt that her father had given her. Hippolyte was well aware of Hercules, she believed it was important to stay in touch with the goings-on in all of Greece. And in this case, it was certainly going to pay off. She knew that Hercules' crew was powerful. Perhaps not powerful enough to defeat them, but certainly powerful enough to take some of her women down. Hippolyte looked back at the women, admiring their strength. None of them had had a belt this whole time, and they had charged into many, many battles with Hippolyte. In several versions of the story, Hippolyte removed the belt and tossed it to Hercules. She wished him luck on the remainder of his labors and hoped that one day, peace would find him. With that simple message, she turned her back on Hercules, and led them back to their simple lives in the village. That night, everyone ate in peace with one another. Hippolyte could tell the women were bothered by her simply giving Hercules her belt. To address it, she stood up and held her glass up to the light of the fire. She told the women that they were strong enough without a god's magic. The women of her village had shown her that, and she intended on honoring it. The night was full of celebration by the crackling embers of the fire. When Hippolyte returned to bed, she pulled the soft blankets over her 
with a sigh of peace. It felt strange not having the belt on her, but it would have felt strange having less women in her village. She looked out over the village through her window. A gentle breeze lapped at the blankets, at her exposed skin, and the moonlight trickled in through the window. She soaked in the view of her city, a city that had taught her everything she needed to know about perseverance and strength. She whispered a prayer of gratitude, and gently, gradually, a wave of sleep embraced her, urging her toward a night of rejuvenating rest. I hope you have enjoyed this sleep story, and it has brought you a night of peaceful, restful sleep. Please, join me again tomorrow night for another sleep story. Until then, farewell and sweet dreams.